everybody. Welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike. I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. And Matt, the Jets season officially ends today. We don't get to watch the Jets for another eight or nine months. They end on a six-game losing streak and miss the playoffs. The Dolphins are in. The Patriots are out. A lot has changed in the NFL landscape over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it was a very, very typical way to end the year for the Jets. It just felt as if everything that transpired over the past five, the past five weeks, all we came in today really not caring about this game. You have Flacco starting. If you lose, better draft pick. If you win, you spoil the Dolphins. Like all this stuff was going out. And then they don't score a touchdown for the third straight week. And you lose nine to six to the Dolphins. Uh, Mike, take me through the game. You were at Miami uh, at Hard Rock to watch it. Uh, so how was that? Yeah, it was fun to be as my first road game as a Jet fan, which is interesting because we're psychopath, you know, psychotic Jet fans. We love to support our team. I got to come down here to Miami. I was looking forward to this game for a lot of the year. Seemed like it would be a very important game. It didn't work out that way. You know, the Jets, this was a very strange game today. Nothing really happened. I also said it was 9-6, to six, the yeah. final score, and it was 11-6. 11-6, to six, to six, whatever. I mean, if, <laughs> unless you bet three, plus 3.5 three in the Jets, then you're fucked. Um, but, man, nothing really happened. The teams kind of moved the ball between the, the, the 30-yard lines, and there were a couple of long field goals, and not much transpired. At least Garrett Wilson went over 1,100 yards. Sauce Gardner completed his nearly perfect rookie season. Um, other than that, there was not much to cheer for for the Jets or or for the Dolphins for that matter. Unless you know you're a Dolphins fan, they end up making the playoffs. But what a strange ending to a strange year! It didn't feel like this would be the way things transpired when the Jets were seven and four. But it's a it's a kick in the dick to be seven and ten and 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 out and and looking at the draft. It's and tough. again, the rushing attack, 20 rushes for 38 yards, 1.9 per clip. Uh outside of Ty Johnson breaking off like a 12-yard run, nothing happened in the run game. Nothing. And even like the O-line held up like manageably okay for how many people were hurt for Flacco. Flacco got the ball out quick and to your point got to Garrett Wilson. And that final play of the game took Garrett Wilson under 100 receiving yards, which is so annoying. Uh, Ty Johnson. At least been... he didn't go under 1100. Right. That's that what I tweeted been... before the game. I said, you know, Garrett, I didn't say this, but Garrett needed 86 yards to hit 1100, and he ended up with 89. So <laughs> after that play, would have been tough. And then even early on, Elijah Moore, like a good 15 yard gain on first down or to get a first down. And you're thinking, okay, maybe Flacco and Elijah Moore kind of build up some chemistry. Didn't get targeted again for the rest of the game. It was like a very weird game. The defense had some big plays. Jermaine Johnson uh, was flying around the field. Quincy Williams made a couple nice plays. Quan, a few hits. And then Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed did their thing like they do every week in locking down. So defense, again, played as well as you can to expect to win. Don't force that turnover, which turnovers at times can be luck. But once you don't force a turnover for however eight straight weeks, if you take out that Mosley pick at the end, it's like at a, at a point, something has to give and you have to force a turnover. Yes, yes. There are things that are fluky in sports and there are things you can look at where you say, hey, you didn't make it lucky and this falls a certain way, blah, blah, blah. But when you take things over a certain period of time and there's a big enough sample size, 
the Jets defense was terrific this season, but they just did not force enough turnovers. That's something that they're going to have to look at. And I'm surprised based on their pass rush. The pass rush is good. You know, you figure there's a loose ball here. There's a strip sack there. You know, you rush a quarterback into making a bad throw. He throws a pick. Wasn't the case down the stretch. And how about this, Mike? The I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, very few times that I feel like the Jets drop like a wide open pick. I think there was one time maybe in like the Denver game where someone jumped around. Like, but like at the end of the day, Whitehead. I don't feel like yeah. Sorry, I don't feel like there was a missed too. opportunity with like dropping a clear pick. Now when the Jets are on offense, I feel like there's been a ton of times where even Sam and when Zach with two years where he'll throw a ball right to a defender and they just won't pick it off. The fumbles <laughs> yeah. the Jets have forced. They have forced fumbles. It's the recovery that we always joke about that they just can't land on one. Even today, a snap goes 30 yards over Skylar Thompson's head, lands right on it, right? Never will the Jets land on a fumble. So Multiple times this year. It, it's frustrating, In, in, in right? that exact scenario, there's been uh, not even multiple. A ton of times the Jets haven't fallen on a fumble this year. Even just like snaps over a guy's head. Last yeah. week, the same thing happened. Carl Lawson, it's not his fault. They're just... The, Ball gets snapped over uh, the the opposing quarterback's head and just goes right to the player. <laughs> it's just there's nothing you could do. It's yeah, unbelievable. And I, I feel like this game again. There's not even that much to talk about, but the big now trend is to talk about. We talked. We we had a video on it, but what they're going to do with the coaching staff, Lafleur obviously in the hot seat and uh, having three straight weeks without a touchdown. But tomorrow is a cool day, I think, for a lot of at least diehard fans like us where they have player exit interviews. So they'll interview every player on the roster internally. And then Douglas and Sala are going to speak. And then Douglas does a round of media tours where he'll go on the fan, the Michael K show. And I watched last year's video today. I watched the 2020-2021 recap just after the game ended because I wanted to see when they did it. And they did it on that Monday following the final week. And... The same sentiment they said in 2021 is what they said in 2020, where it, it's not good enough. We fought hard down the stretch. We were played with injuries. It has to get better. And when you're thinking about what the talking points are tomorrow, it's going to be we fought hard. We had injuries. It has to be better. So like three straight years, we're hearing the same talking points from the organization. I get it. It's frustrating, but I'm looking forward to at least hearing Joe Douglas in front of a mic for the first time in about three months. Yeah, look, things are obviously frustrating. You're seven and four. You finish seven and ten. It doesn't get done. But expectations need to be taken into account where two years ago the Jets won two games. Last year they won four games. Now you win seven games and you know you were that seven and four team. And when you're seven and four and your QB one, you know, plays those two games, one's in Buffalo, one's in Minnesota. And the Jets look like a playoff team, a legitimate playoff team. They're playing well. They're playing with these teams. That guy goes down being Mike White. And then you lose the rest of the games in the season. You know, and today is what it is. You know, it didn't really matter. So you don't want to put too much stock into it one way or another. It's not like if the Jets won today and they won 33 to 10, would people be saying, oh, my God, the Jets, blah, blah, blah. No, probably not. It, it is what it is. It didn't matter so much. Um, but down the stretch is definitely frustrating. So you look at the way the season ended, and it's definitely disturbing and and excruciating as a fan, especially you know fans like us who are diehard maniacs and we haven't made the playoffs for twelve years. There's a great stat too, Matt, that if if the if the Kings make the playoffs this year, the Jets have the longest 
drought of any four major sports team in in the United States. So that's tough as well. But and Mike, that's why the said, yeah, yeah, that's please, why the urgency go. needs to happen with the administration. And I keep talking about year five for Douglas, year three for Salah. You have to go out and make a big, big move. You talk about the other day the free agent hit hits that Douglas has and has not had outside of yeah. DJ Reed. Who are you looking at? in his administration to have, okay, that's the number one free agent guy that was huge, undrafted free agents. He has done a very good job. Waiver wire, very good job. But we're missing that free agent move outside of DJ Reed to take this team to the next level. And then every year, the draft class, we look back a year and a half before and we go, ah, doesn't look that great anymore. 2020, we loved. We came out of 2020 with Beckton being a potential pro bowler. Mims had a decent statistical year when he was healthy. We were like, man's a good punter. Uh, Ashton Davis on special teams. We were like talking ourselves in. Bryce Hall, we were like, oh, he's a starting corner. And then you go a year forward and you're like, fuck, that draft doesn't look great. 2021, we were in love with that draft class. Looking at it now, not looking too great. So yeah. all that to say, you brought up a point earlier we, we got to talk about, and that's the QB situation. And is that the source of failure for this team? Of course, the quarterback play is... But I don't give Mike LaFleur or this team a pass because the reason Zach Wilson, he is your QB1. And he wasn't good enough and they didn't develop him well enough where then we pivot and we say, okay, Mike White is giving this team the best chance to win after the Bears game, played well against Minnesota, well against Buffalo. And yeah, it sucked he got hurt. But then you go back to the guy that is you're supposed to be your QB1. He's terrible. And then Flacco can't put up a touchdown today. So at the end of the day, I get it. We were happy with Flacco and Mike White being our backups, and Zach Wilson is the starter and got the entire ones reps throughout the entire training camp until he got hurt. At a point, you have to look and say someone has to take a hit for this collapse. It really is now a collapse. I wasn't calling it a collapse three weeks ago. Now it is. I I understand where you're coming from. I don't ever think anything needs to happen. You have to look at things that are, and this is a very unpopular take. This is not what most Jet fans think. I don't care. But you look at things from a whole, and and this is where I'm coming from. If Mike White doesn't get hurt, doesn't break his ribs in the Bills game, I think the Jets are in the playoffs right now. I swear to God, I do. Nothing that happened today changes that, what I think, based on that point. And that's debatable, but I really truly believe that. The Jets are averaging 420 yards a game of offense with Mike White. They're averaging 270 yards a game with Zach Wilson. Mike White gets hurt, you play Four other teams that are on the bubble of making the playoffs and you lose to all four of them, including today, and you miss, and it sucks. But does that change what I thought about Mike White four weeks ago when he's playing, you know, when he's coaching with Mike White? And I'm saying Mike LaFleur, I apologize, but I'm saying Mike LaFleur, Mike White, four weeks ago, I had confidence in to make the playoffs. Mike White gets hurt. Things go south because he's hurt. I don't change my belief on that. And that's an unpopular opinion. If the Jets want to fire Mike LaFleur because they can't score a touchdown in the last three weeks, I'm not going to bitch and moan. I understand where they're coming from. I personally wouldn't do it. It's an unpopular opinion. I don't think heads need to roll when you double your win total. I just don't believe that. There are expectations that come into a season. The Jets double their win total. They did a lot of good things well. The offense definitely cost the team a chance to play off, not disputing that. I'm not firing LaFleur. If they want to fire LaFleur, I'm not going to sit here and complain mm-hmm. yeah. because I understand. But that's where I'm coming from. I don't think your take is crazy. But the stat you said before about the Kings and if they make the playoffs, it's drought. It's, 
Okay, you're all. Lafleur's not the coordinator for twelve years though. It's like he's the right, coordinator but... for a year and a half, and he was terrific. And I liked him last year, and I liked him up until week fourteen this year when the quarterback won who had a chance to lead him into the playoffs, breaks five of his ribs, and then you play a, a win in, quote-unquote, win and in-game, which it really was because the Bills won this week, and guy can't throw the ball on the field, and now everyone's saying, fire this man. I understand. You've got to score a fucking touchdown, and that's coming from me too. Who I always say I like Flacco, so it's a little bit hypocritical. I say I like Flacco, then Flacco can't score a touchdown with this offense. I get it, but... It's tough. When you're the coordinator, though, you need to you need to have a game plan. And obviously the O-line injuries, you can't rule that out. But this team's inability to run the ball, the inability to, in the past five weeks, score more than 17 points, and three of those five games are under enough. 10. And the reason I bring up the urgency around it in the playoff drought is if you run it back for a third straight year with the same exact four, three coordinators and head coach, there's there's a lot of pressure on this team to get it right. And if they think that continuity is going to be important, I'm fine with keeping it. Again, I my confidence level was Salah's at 99%. Yeah. Ulbrich is like 80%. And LaFleur is a coin flip. So I don't even think it's a done deal that he will go. But based on, on Salah's press conference after the game, I know he kind of has to say it. But when he goes, I got to follow our process, that doesn't look good for LaFleur at all. Especially with his other comments. You're right. Sal has been very, you know, don't fire the guy based on, you know, rip the bandaid off kind of uh, knee jerk reaction kind of stuff. The way you're, you're right. What he said today was different than what he said the last couple of weeks. I think they're probably going to fire the guy. And again, if you say, look, they haven't scored a touchdown in three weeks. I can't sit here and argue with that. I'm just telling you that it's hard for me to switch my opinion six weeks ago when I thought the guy was a, was a good coordinator and the Jets were going to make the playoffs and then Fast forward till now when you go through these offensive line injuries and your quarterback injury and you say, you know, now we have to get rid of this guy. I That's just not how I operate. But I understand why the Jets are or would do what they're going to do. Yeah, we're one of the most patient set of fans you can ever ask for, you and I. And I am still being patient, but I am leaning towards the side of I just can't run it back in full confidence. If there's a if there's an option out there to bring in a Frank Reich, and yeah, he's probably interviewing for head coaching jobs, so that might not even be an option. But I would like something different. I just need something. If you're going to pair with a veteran quarterback and get a real, real guy who's been in the league as a coordinator for X amount of years, bring in a car, this guy, some improved offensive linemen, and let's score 30 points a game with Brees Hall and AVT back. I would never curse Jeff fans for wanting to fire a coordinator of the 29th ranked position group in football. Last year, if the Jets fired Jeff Ulbrich, I would have understood. And, you know, they had a terrific defensive year this year. Would they have done the same thing without Ulbrich? I don't know. Maybe, probably. I, I would. I have no issue if the Jets want to do it. I, it's, I, I can't sit here and argue that you, people are impatient and stupid if they want to fire a guy when the Jets' offense clearly cost them a chance at the playoffs. Despite there's some injuries, whatever other teams deal with it, I understand where it's coming from. I get it. Now, there's a good yeah. There's a good photo of Mike LaFleur wearing like the McDonald's visor with like the headset. But that, <laughs> so was, that was tweeted out. <laughs> that was tweeted out in week four of last year. Like that Ridiculous. is too early, right? That is too early. Now, I forget who sent it to me today. Someone replied on my Twitter. And it was biggest threats to humanity. And it was like oh, Putin, boy. Mao, like all these, like all these guys. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> right. It's very, very tough look. 
But <laughs> hey, look, this is also I want to make a note here. Uh, while we're halfway through, don't forget to hit subscribe if you have not done so already. And we are going to do a mega pod, like a legit mega pod to break down every player, every game. Let's do it next weekend. I'm yeah. not going anywhere for Martin Luther King weekend. We, we'll do the best mega pod you can ask for. Uh, but today, the season ends. It is a sour taste. Losing and stay straight, no matter how you cut it, is brutal. And like a low-key part that has been really bothering me throughout the entire late afternoon, the Jets losing today the worst pick they could have had in the draft was 13th, and they're going to pick 13th because Tennessee Oof. lost to yeah, Jacksonville. The Browns, five, seven, and ten teams. And yeah. we're the last one. Because we have the toughest strength of schedule. And the problem is Titans won. Or I'm sorry, Titans lost to the Jaguars. The Browns didn't get done today against Pittsburgh. And there's one other game that could have flipped the Saints and Panthers where Panthers, so Panthers win. Won. We could yeah. have picked... Easily 12th, 11th, or 10th, and all those games didn't go our way. And at now, least if the Panthers won, I keep rooting for Sam Darnold, and he was like five for 14 with 42 yards today. I picks. bet his overpassing <laughs> yards are so bad. What was it 28? Did you win? <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. But uh, I think another thing we've talked about a lot you'll hear, hey, there's no silver linings. There's no silver linings. You blew the final six games, and whether that's true or not, you had that collapse. There's silver linings. There has to be silver linings, guys. You have. Uh, at least a cool. Like, I'll start at a very basic silver lining. You have a top three cornerback tandem, if not one, in the NFL locked under contract for three years at least. Yeah. That is a big win. You have a Pro Bowl linebacker. You have a pass rush who's showing that they can get after quarterback in some situations. But it's you an have elite a, defense. You have an it's elite, an elite, elite. Also, I mean, Quinton Williams being an All Pro is awesome. And then, hey, on the offensive uh, side of the ball, it's not just, hey, AVT and Brees Hall are great when they come back, or Garrett Wilson is a top-two rookie uh, that came out of that draft class. You have guys like Connor McGovern that has proven another contract that he can build continuity. You don't need four new offensive linemen next year. Conklin, a, again, a guy that had drops but played his ass off. Catch and, today. And an unbelievable catch today. catch today, right? So, yeah. Mike, yeah. at the end of the day, I, I am seeing the positives in this team. But the biggest negative, the by far biggest negative for Salah is his team outside of even the quarterback with hurt and everything. They didn't step up in the final six weeks. Like they did not step up outside of that. Like the the first three games you can look at and say, okay, Vikings, Bills, Lions, like hard fought, scrappy. I, I get it. You don't win those games. You want to come up bigger for those. The last three weeks, they did nothing. They did not right. come out. And well, that, that was they that didn't was, play up for him. That's why I was frustrated uh, after the Lions game, where people were turning on the team and you know saying, "Hey, this team has no heart." This whatever, because at that point, at during the Lions game, the Jets had played what tw- eleven straight weeks of just intense, intense wire to wire football, and to criticize them for what they did, I thought was unfair. The last three weeks have been disgusting, and if people want to talk about that. I understand, you know, you don't score a touchdown. Um, you lose those three games. Not that today mattered, but, you know, last week, winning in kind of scenario, and you just come out and get your dicks kicked in. It's very tough to live with and hard to swallow. The other thing that is, is a little bit frustrating is, you know, people keep bringing up 2020. So, that you know, the Jaguars make the playoffs yesterday uh, with Trevor Lawrence, and people are bringing up, hey, if the Jets lost this game, lost that game, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, people are okay – with making these scenarios where the Jets lose two extra games in 2020 
to literally go 0-16. But this year, when the Jets, you know, they're not going to attribute the Jets, oh, if we just won two more games this year, we'd be in the playoffs. It's just the negative um, cycle of stuff that frustrates me. So, you know, let's be a little consistent. This year is not a disaster. Brandon Tierney is tweeting out that this year is the hardest year ever, blah, blah, blah. That was an unbelievable fucking take. That was unbelievable. He, Brandon Tierney basically tweeted out that, that 2022 is one of the, you know, he's seen some hard jet years, but this is the hardest year. Oh, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that he's a recent radio show that just came out. Go fuck yourself. You know, we just went through multiple seasons where the Jets are 2-14, and 14, three, uh, 4 and 13, 4 and 12. 2016, they're supposed to be great. They're 4 and 12. 2017, they're supposed to go 0 and 16. They suck. All these years don't matter. This is the year where you're 7 and 4, you're overachieving. And, you know, you want to talk shit about the team for no reason. Fine. Go fuck yourself. But it's just stuff like that where 2020, people want to say, hey, look, if we lost two more games, we'd have Trevor Lawrence. But not 2022. You know, you want to be like, oh, we you know, we could have won these two games, blah, blah. Instead, they'll say this team fucking collapsed, choked, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to look at it in the fact of, you know, our quarterback gets hurt. Defense was elite. Didn't work out the way it should have. Let's get him in 2023. Should I, I reply know. to Brandon Tierney and say over the last decade, the following seasons are worse and then list every single season outside of 2015? Probably. I I, res- I replied to him earlier and I, you know, got some likes, but it was like, it is what it is. You know, this is definitely not the worst season. Like, give me a fucking break. This is a great young team with multiple young 24 and under all pro kind of guys. And you're going to sit here and say, this is the hardest season ever. Like, it's not true. It's just not right. It's not what happened. Yeah. Disappointing end, but I saw another take. Like, this was the worst quarterback season the Jets have ever had when they had 15 touchdowns and 14 picks. Like, hey, I can tell you in the past decade, four more years where the quarterback play was worse overall in total. Like, there's been bad years. This might have been, like, the second or third most yards they ever threw for. (laughs) I think. I think that's accurate. I don't even know. I'm going to look now. I'm just, uh, it's just off the top of my head. The fuck are we talking about? Ugh. I'm we've so seen a lot of We've seen a lot of bad takes. Obviously, the, the Trevor Lawrence stuff last night is so funny. He throws a touchdown, and everyone's like, I hope Brady Man dies. Like, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> he tackles a guy. And, and we've been, we, we have said on Twitter and on this podcast 500 times how, yes, they needed three more losses in a row, but that was not, they weren't an 0-16 team that year. They weren't going to get the number one overall pick at the end of the day, and they didn't. They two been... more games. Two yeah. more. If the Jets yeah. won two more games in like any season, they'd probably make the playoffs. It's just an inaccurate take. It's a bad take. And I said, you know, like Lawrence throws a touchdown. Jets Twitter. The Jets fumbled the bag. Lawrence missed a wide-open touchdown that would have basically iced the game Awful at that time. Throw. Everyone's like, long hair, bitch. Like, it doesn't matter. Everyone, <laughs> I, I really think that our goal and having like a podcast and being like on Twitter is to provide more rational, consistent takes. But I thought we were doing better in that area holistically on Jets Twitter. <laughs> this year has proven that we've taken a long step back. Like we are very inconsistent at times as a whole. But look, I get it because in frustrating moments, you have frustrating opinions. And that's why I'll never clown someone that has a take where they're telling me, hey, you got to fire solid. I didn't show up to him. I want Sean Payton tomorrow. All right, that's your take. Let's take let's talk about a roadmap of how you're going to get there, right? Yeah, and it's not even like again to your point. If if everyone just takes a step back, and if you really think about it and want that and believe it, sure. And if there are reasons why, 
Understood. Oh, the Seahawks just won. Good for Gino. How um, did now? Here's a big part of that game, though. How did Kenneth Walker play? Because when I look, he had 20 carries for like 78 yards. I don't know. They kicked a field goal in overtime. I didn't see much of the game, but um, I was just sick after the Jets. Yeah, game. Kenneth Walker had 29 carries, 115 yards. Jeez. It doesn't really I, help Garrett, but Garrett's nine for 89. Is today is good. I th- I think they're gonna give it to Kenneth Walker. I don't think they're gonna give it to both uh, Sauce and Garrett Wilson. That's my that's my prediction. It's like Teddy Roosevelt when he made the bull moose party. Yeah. He split he split the party. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> Garrett Wilson, done to my head. I mean, Garrett Wilson's gonna have a better career than Kenneth Walker, so he can literally go fuck himself. Garrett Wilson should be the offensive rookie of the year, hundred percent. God. I think there's still a good chance that that happens. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And look, I'm looking very much forward to uh, what's to come because I have some good tier list ideas that we're going to rip off on YouTube based on what yes. happened this year. Uh, I, you know, I think there's a um, lull period in January and February, but hey, January, you have the Senior Bowl. February, you'll have the, the Super Bowl. And then March is where our free agency April draft and then we fly. We start. You no, the NL, the yeah. NFL offseason is great, and the, the Jets have some assets like they've had in the last couple of years. And the draft's going to be exciting, and we're going to have to figure out what to do with quarterbacks. We're going to be talking a lot of shit about Derek Carr and Jimmy G. And thank God we have these options this year. Um, and just to my point before, after, before I got into the Seahawks, you know, if someone wants a Sean Payton or blah blah blah, for me to sit here and say, "Hey, you're an idiot." You know, who knows what's going to happen? You know, if the Jets hired Sean Payton, it would probably be a good thing. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just don't want to fire Salah after a couple of years like this where the, the culture's been turned around and, you know, Salah's a defensive guy and you have the 30th defense in football in 2021. Now you have the fourth in 2022. Guys are motivated. He's a leader of men. I'm not firing that guy, but I understand, you know, that's just my opinion. So that's those are the things, those are the reasons why I think that if someone's like, hey, man, you know, Sean Payton, Super Bowl winning coach, you know, you bring in a certain quarterback, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. Sure, let's have a discussion. So exciting stuff. That's what January, February, March are about if you're in a 12-game, uh, a 12-year playoff trial. It's tough. It's tough, but hey, a lot of a lot of good days ahead. We'll try to keep it positive. You have every right to be frustrated and sick about how the year ended. Tomorrow will be a fun day to hear Douglas because I, I hope there's a lot of accountability on on what's transpired. You've had seven different offensive tackles start, I believe, not even counting Beckton, who you assume would be a, a big role. So they got to clean up the injuries. A, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I want to make a point about free agency with the Jets that we kind of talked about the other day. Um, you know, I'm I'm pro Douglas. I'm pro Sala. I really like this this the way the organization is built right now. Um, but for fuck's sake, Joe Douglas, enough with the bargain hunting bullshit. Get me a stud fucking maniac. You look at guys like, and these are players that I like, Corey Davis, you know, $11 million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Lawson, $15 million a year. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson, $13 million a year. Give me a fucking break. Enough of this pitchy patch bullshit putting together this nonsense. Give me a stud Go out and get the real guy. Just do it for once. And then every once in a while, you're going to hit on a DJ Reed. You know, what? Every three years, we sign one bargain free agent guy. Fine. And again, I like what Joe Douglas has done. 
He's very flexible with the roster. He's drafted well. There are some problems, like you mentioned before, Matt, with 2019-2020. The 2021 seems like a home run draft, to Joe Douglas's credit. And he's had some great undrafted praising signings, which you said before as well. Fuck off and get me a real maniac to pair with some of these guys. Let's go for it. And and of course, it's quarterback is 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 out of the question. Not even discussing quarterback. You have to get the best possible guy for sure. But besides that, give me a fucking maniac somewhere else that's going to put this team to the next level. That's going to make things easier for the guys around him. I'm sick of this bargain hunting bullshit. All right, I agree. And hey, we will do a whole free agent preview in March, and I can't wait to start doing clickbait mock drafts. Um, <laughs> that on YouTube <laughs> will get like a thousand views. Uh, no, but mock draft season is upon us. I, Mike, if we, I know we have a couple minutes left here. You go and tackle, linebacker, safety. Like, you got to go tackle at 13, right? You probably have to go tackle. I mean, the problem is you can always move AVT to tackle and then do something else. Like, that is a real option. And I don't know if the Jets really think that AVT could be like a top 10 tackle in football. I think you just do that, right? I mean, you're, you're filling the most important position in football need. You have Beckton coming back, and you have Dwayne Brown as Beckton insurance. So if you really want to – if unless you love one of these tackles, you want to take him at 13, I'm 100% in. I love drafting offensive line. Um, and then you could do some other stuff. You have ABT that can play inside, or you could try to move Beckton inside, or you could try to keep Herbig, or you could do a number of different things, even though Herbig was disappointing down the stretch. You know, I, I'm very happy to go tackle at 13, but the Jets have some flexibility there. They do. They do. And hey, I think the fun part is a trade down is very possible or a trade out and getting a maybe a a quarterback or one of these guys that you see these franchises make big trades for their their young quarterback, their young team. Um, Maybe they just don't pick at 13. Maybe they trade up. Maybe they trade down. Maybe they trade it out to get, uh, dare I say, Lamar Jackson. So we'll see where it goes. Please. But man, before we go, we, we wanted to discuss this a little bit. I want to hear your take because this is extremely, you know, impactful of the Jets' immediate future. Why did the Jets start Joe Flacco today over Zach Wilson? I think of two reasons. I think of one, compromising him behind the offensive line uh, and, and breaking his confidence even more is part of the reason why they did it, because they had those, you know, most of their O-line out. The second reason, which I don't agree with, is I think they think he's broken mechanically which hey in year two when you're on game 34 you cannot be broken mechanically your fundamentals cannot be broken that is not a not only a failure on the quarterback but a failure on your entire coaching staff and organization and if you're yeah, fear, it can be a little bit off but broken is yeah if yeah. your fear is you're going to go out there and put out bad tape that might hurt his trade value guess what not playing him at all and having him as like a healthy inactive if mike white was healthy and not letting him touch the field is even worse than if he went 10 for 21, 130 yards and two picks. It's even worse. And Mike, the last thing I'll say, Zach Wilson, there is a very, very likelihood chance that he is going to be on the team next year, maybe as a QB2, but on the team. If he is thrust into action, potentially in week one of 2023, the pressure on him to perform when his last snap he was benched for Chris Strebler is out of this world. 
and you can't have that in a playoff mandate year. And that no. is what is next year. Next year is a playoff mandate. There's no time to fuck around. There's no time to find out. It's it's just next year. They just have to make the playoffs. And we've been saying it. The AFC is loaded. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson in some capacity, Joe Burrow. That's just six. And then you have, you know, the Dolphins who are with two who knows what's going to happen. And uh, the Steelers are nine and eight. And uh, the Patriots with Bill Belichick. There are just so many teams. The the Broncos with fucking Russell Wilson could figure their shit out. The Raiders are supposed to be good. There's a lot of teams that are supposed to compete in the AFC. You don't not have three games to fuck around and find out with Zach Wilson next year. So I agree with you. That's it's difficult. All right. Well, we'll be back this week. We'll probably put a quick video out again. But a lot of big stuff ahead. If you did make it this far, hit that subscribe button. And Mike, we'll talk soon. All right, my friend. All right, see you, buddy.